The Open Nesters is a weekly podcast focusing on couples and individuals who are looking for new beginnings after their kids have left the nest. This week on the Open Nesters podcast with Sabrina and Seth. And I think some of that reframing is you know, figuring out what is it that, that's real here, that's, that's truly important, and what is it that we're kind of arbitrarily putting into things. The expectations that we put in there because, oh, we see other people do it, we saw our parents do it, and therefore that's the way relationships are supposed to be. So we throw in these these rules and, and then get disappointed and resentful when other people don't meet them without really understanding what the rules were actually doing to begin with. Tessa, we have another great interview, in my opinion, with Sabrina and Seth. They analyze relationship like nobody else before. They know it's it actually it's the science of relationship, don't you think? Absolutely. This is a deep, deep dive into relationship fulfillment. I mean, and the idea is that each of them as strong individuals that have analyzed things like I've never heard also came from doing work. And we actually had to cut this short. This is our longest episode, but it kept going because we were in person and so fascinating. And that they, Sabrina, I remember she wanted to talk about her work with internal family systems, which we had to cut that whole thing out. So if you're interested in that, we'll talk about it another time. Yeah. Analyzing relationship objectively is not an easy thing to do, but they, uh, they were able to master it. So let's uh, go straight to the interview. Absolutely. Okay, we have Sabrina and Seth here, and I met Sabrina uh, on OkCupid. I was one of those guys that looking for uh, women in a non, uh, with an ethical non-monogamy, and here she is. She's right there, and I communicated with her. I sent her a message maybe three, four months ago, but she responded about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. So it took a while, but, you know, (laughs) here we are. When Amir came back, he told me how brilliant Sabrina was, and then eventually we were in their area in New England and had a wonderful dinner, just got to know them a little, and invited them down to have dinner here, and we ended up having our first live interview. So we are so excited to ask you about your journey together, Sabrina and Seth. Well, I'll start off by just kind of saying that I think the whole thing has been a journey for us, but I think it started for both of us um, with the dissolution of our marriages and potentially the dissolution of our expectations about what marriage really was for us as individuals. And, you know, we we each took our own paths. I don't think that uh, Seth and I would ever have met were it not for technology and OkCupid Hmm. because we are from such different walks of life. But we just each took our own journey to know ourselves and know what the patterns were that, at least for myself, I can say the patterns that I engaged in what my role was in the dissolution of my marriage without being too blameful of myself. And then just to know ourselves well enough to know what we really wanted to not do in that next relationship that was going to be the, you know, a functional relationship. Yeah, I think, you know, as both of our marriages ended in, in, in more or less a similar way in the sense that 
our partner um, had an affair. In her case, was was longer. Mine was only a, a few weeks. But, um, and I'll speak to mine. I, I was over in Afghanistan, and um, you know, I found out that you know my my wife told me that she wanted a divorce, and which was devastating for a few days. And then we had a few more conversations, and then finally, after about th- two three days, she she said she she had been having an affair, and and I was like. Well, is that it? We can, we can figure that out. That's, that's a workable problem. We can, you know, this is not something we can't get through. It happens to a lot of couples and, and, um, sure, it's, it's fatal to a lot of relationships, but I think, I think we can work that out. But it turns out that, that there was a lot more wrong with the relationship than just the affair. And, and certainly I had much to own for myself and much to think about in terms of uh, what, the relationship was to me and, and what I took for granted in that relationship as well. Um, so when it ended, there was a period of processing and work that I had to do um, to, to move on to the next uh, next phase. So I think we each experimented in this interim period between the time that our marriages ended and the time that we actually met. There was lots of learning, <laughs> experimenting. Uh, for me personally, I became really intrigued with the question of when we enter into relationships, do we have any criteria? Really? Do we have any point of view that's going to help us understand what we're getting into and potentially what the other person, you know, is going to what that dynamic is going to end up being. So I think by the time that we met, we had really thought about a lot of those things. We each had our own experiences. And when we met, we just found a lot of alignment mm-hmm. and, and we uh, we we both kind of met in the same way because we had settled on well, a key principle and you know for us that at least at that time and and actually continues to be the case where um this you know ethical non-monogamy part is is you know maybe a category of how relationships are uh, characterized but even I think more fundamental is the need for to be in a relationship that isn't possessive, that we are allowed to be authentic, who we are, to remain in search of happiness of our own lives, to continue to um, to do the best we can in this 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 messy world to 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 make our own lives meaningful and and valuable to ourselves. And in part of that, and part of being in a relationship with someone else, is to be valuable to someone else as well. And and I think they we arrived at those separately, found each other because of those similarities, and ended up getting married because of them. And a beautiful framing. I'm just so touched because how do we get how do we give value and how do we see value and how do we appreciate value? In a deep, in a relationship that we end up calling marriage. Mm-hmm. And that's so different in the way you're framing it. So it's just so touching and beautiful. And well, I, they both came, you know, they did a lot of work on themselves before they met each other, right? Uh, Sabrina and, and Seth? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I think that's part of the, part of that process that we went through. I think both of us have a propensity to really want to discuss and almost analyze mm-hmm. aspects of of yeah. things. I mean, I did it in my world, you know, I'm a musician and also a business consultant and I just love I, I am a reframer. I am somebody who um 
you know, if you take the little tests and things like that, they'll be like, oh, you're a reframer. Um, I think Seth is also of the same mind, but also when we would talk about it, we would, um, we had each thought so deeply about what are all these different things going on in a given dynamic? What actually makes a relationship function in a healthy way versus what are the patterns that or the subroutines that we get into that create dynamics that Mm -hmm. we're not even aware of, but you know, I used to think of my marriage as like an entanglement of resentments. And, you know, we, we talked about that as a, a lot when we first met was, you know, actually, we even talked about it today on the drive yeah, down yeah. here. We we were asking each other, do we have any resentments? Yeah, and, wow. and I think some of that reframing is, you know, figuring out what is it that that's real here that's that's truly important. And what is it that we're kind of arbitrarily putting into things? The expectations that we put in there because, oh, we see other people do it. We saw our parents do it. And therefore, that's the way relationships are supposed to be. So we throw in these these rules and, and then get disappointed and resentful when other people don't meet them without really understanding what the rules were actually doing to begin with. So there's this kind of, okay, so plan A didn't work. We're on plan B. What is it that we can do? What can we go back to the drawing board, figure out what really is important here, and then rewrite this thing in a way that um, will work. We want to create a a relationship for the ages here. And what will, what will work? What's real? and, And what is it that we can, you know, if we're going to to put something into a relationship that we're both going to agree to, what are the components here that are are actually going to make us happy versus just simply married? And I would say that this work, this it's so beautiful. The the idea that we can we have a choice of how we enter this new frame and how we how we how we actually write the chapter of our Act Three, as we call it in the Open Nesters. And, and you guys are just in this in such a thoughtful, provoking and deep way to really challenge thinking of what we don't go into when we first start in a relationship and it becomes habitual and, and patterned, as we said, and all those sub patterns, as well as even some people that go into a second and third and they don't have the consciousness of downtime that you guys gave each other with a lot of thought. And it's, it's just such a beautiful way for us to consider how we want to make choices in life. For mm-hmm. for ourselves first, obviously. Mm-hmm. And that's what you did with your, I mean, amazingly, Sabrina came up with you telling us about this whole thing she did when she was dating. That is such a funny story. So well, they, they did not want to make the mistakes that they made before. So mm-hmm. they came to a new relationship with open eyes and open hearts, but in a lot of uh, thinking, a lot of analyzation of what really going to work for them. And yes, that's where Sabrina came up with that, uh, the six uh, levels or not levels or uh, qualification, I should say, that somebody is more suitable to her or not. Is that correct? Well, I'm happy to answer that. Um, Mm -hmm. I came up with, I would call them categories of expectations. And part of this came about because Seth and I had been talking. Actually, it, it wasn't even just Seth. It was the many, many people that I was going out on dates with. And I wasn't going out on dates with many people because I was 
not, you know, trying to sort of knock down the pins of, okay, well, that, no, no, to this, uh, shirt was too pink, uh, Mm -hmm. didn't, you know, too sweaty, had a mustache. I mean, whatever. It wasn't like that at all. It was, I want to go out on a lot of dates so that I can understand what my own criteria are. So I came up with these, after having done that and gotten into conversations with people, um, and then talking quite a bit with, with Seth about what I was seeing, what he was seeing, what we were both had both observed in ourselves, realized that people enter into relationships with a, a basic set of expectations. Now, when I say basic, I don't mean like a simplistic view. I mean, I think that how we perceive going into a relationship and when we formulate our expectations is fairly complicated, actually. it's There's lots of nuances to it. But as I was looking at my own criteria, I was thinking, well, gosh, you know, when I what's really important to me in a relationship? And I, you know, wrote down all the different types of things. And I realized that there was no way to say that this one thing is going to make or break whether or not I want to spend more time with this person. Because the other thing is, you know, it's not just do I want to spend more time? Do I think we can grow together? Do we, I think we can develop? Do, you know, what constitutes that anyway? And, and then if I'm in a, in, in a conversation with somebody else and those things don't come together, well, is it, um, am I missing an opportunity by just dismissing that relationship if we could be friends, if we could have different expectations? So I started thinking about different types of relationships and came up with these six categories that I think just, in, for me anyway, they seemed to apply everywhere. But I, I'll, I'll also say that like any categories, you can be fairly arbitrary. <laughs> I mean, you can come up with six other categories. and This is what works yeah. for you. And I just yeah. think this is your personal story. And no one's telling you that you have to be a researcher and that you're subscribing <laughs> and they're going to subscribe to your six ways. Yeah. I just think the fact that you created a system for yourself is the essence of what people need to do is what works for me. If for me, dancing in the fucking backyard naked mm-hmm. and hugging which tree is going to make me understand what I want to do about the next person, and that's totally exaggerated, but some of what I do is, you know, then that's what I should do. It's like everybody has to do it in their own methodology and 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 then eventually how they get to it. So, I, And I also think you need measurement. So the fact that you're measuring things is such an important thing, whether it's measuring a journal of reflections or measuring some kind of trajectory of how you've evolved and measuring now what I need now compared to what I needed then. I mean, we do need some level of that. So the fact that you created something and then you met Seth and it worked is just such a great story. And we have so many things to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I should stay on this. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yes. Well, do you want to go through those six uh, categories? Yes. Let's go. Let's actually know. Let's actually say those six categories are going to be the extra perk of this of this particular episode. You know, in response to her six categories of expectations, I had almost kind of the opposite thing where I had filters out where, you know, I knew that there were a number of things where she was looking for the positive, you know, aspects of uh, or looking for things that existed in other people, I was looking again to kind of for, for people that didn't have certain things. And, and so my profile was kind of set up with certain things that would raise what called red flags in, in people that are, are looking for someone online and they, they would turn away from like the big one is the ethical non-monogamy, not necessarily because I need to be that because I can 
I was monogamous for 17 years and um, before my marriage ended, and I could do it again for the rest of my life. Um, but what I can't do is be in a marriage or in a relationship with someone that is really possessive and felt like that I needed to sacrifice who I am, you know, to in, at some deep level um, in order to, to, to be in a relationship. I needed to, to figure out who I am. I needed to live you know, authentically in, in whatever that means, whatever it is I discover, uh, without feeling like I, I needed to, to curtail that or, you know, uh, alter that because of the expectations of another person. And, and so I needed someone that was open to that. And so, and, and when we, she contacted, she actually contacted me, uh, that's a point of pride and point out whenever I can, uh, <laughs> she contacted me and, um, and, and we, and we started dating and of course it worked out and we reached a point where, um, we had a lot of discussions about, uh, the difference between, um, you know, obligations, for instance, and commitment and something we, you know, words have meaning. And I understand Webster's would probably disagree with how we frame these words. For us, they, they took on a, a nuanced meaning in the sense that, Commitments are something that you agree to in much the same way that boundaries are things that you apply for yourself, whereas obligations are, are things that you expect of other people, uh, like rules that you put on other people. And where I, it's totally ethical and expected and necessary to maintain boundaries for yourself and also the converse of that to, uh, you know, give commitments to other people, it is unethical to necessarily hold other people to obligations. And, and I use the ethical term loosely simply because every relationship's got to find their own equilibrium. This is just what we, we found for ourselves. But, the, but it's, it's that, and for both of us, and, and personally for me, I, I am most attracted to people that are authentic and, 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 and fully themselves. Interesting. They're more complex that way. Being in a relationship with Sabrina, um, where uh, we are both allowed to be who we are, it makes the, the, the relationship that we have far more interesting, more, far more rewarding, and um, and worthwhile. I did have a, a lot of different questions for you guys about the new, the evolution of, like, you got married and you end up now not living together. So this whole idea of how you looking at marriage is so interesting, too. So can you talk to that? Yeah, well, today when people say, where do you live? It's, it's hard not to give a long explanation, <laughs> but we will say, well, we're bilocational. That's the, that's the best way to put it. And part of the reason for that is when uh, Seth and I had been dating for a year, um, after about a year, he told me he needed to move from Massachusetts down to Georgia to take a job. And, it was a job that he'd been thinking about, a move that he'd been thinking about for quite some time. And it was the right opportunity at the right time in in that regard. And so then we were presented with this kind of interesting question. And, and we did approach it with curiosity, not with despair. And I think that's an important sort of mindset that we had in general about our relationship was to say, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder how that will work out. <laughs> And, and wow. really, without any judgment on it, I, love it. Um, I think by that time, I had learned personally that attaching all these all this meaning to something like geography could be just as much of a fallacy as, I mean, relationships fall apart when people are together all the time. Who's to say that a little distance would, would be so bad? 
And that's kind of how I approached it. And I don't know, Seth, if you have an, another point of view, but we just decided to see what would happen. Well, yeah. I mean, before you go, I, I want to say that, you know, here you are, you are a brand new dating, you mean maybe a couple of years already. And here you are, maybe less. And then you come up and drop this bomb. Look, uh, I got a, a great offer out of state. And that is a, a, a moment where it can break or make the relationship. And it happened to make the relationship. So I want you to take it from there, Seth. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we met in August 2017. And then this other position I had was offered and accepted in, in July of 2018 ended up doing the move in, in September and October. But, um, you know, I think it's kind of a shitty thing to do where when you're dating or especially if you're in a commit in a relationship, you know, commitment being you know, a scale here, but and 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 to do, to, to run tests for people. And, and that's not what this was. Didn't test Sabrina. What I did, uh, but what happened, but there was a part of me that was looking at, this this challenge in our relationship and what it means for us in the sense that the things that we valued and talked about valuing and and promoting in our relationship and in allowing the other person to to be themselves the space to kind of grow into what they want for themselves not necessarily what their partner would like to see them grow into but what they want to want for themselves and this job opportunity was uh, one of those things. And I had been in a phase before I met Sabrina of prioritizing or trying to, to get some uh, some progress with work. And this was an opportunity I've been looking for for a while. When we, we reached this and started discussing it in the way we discussed it, the way we, we, we worked around the issues and the flexibility, even with the unknowns, because you really don't know until you do it what it's going to be like. But with the unknowns, after the move and the, the strategies that we implemented to, to do what we could to stay in connection with each other, the, visita- the visits, the, the, the flights both north and south and, and the, the calls during the week. Uh, as well as, you know, dates uh, that each of us have had um, uh, with other people and how we discuss those um, all working over time to strengthen the relationship. And and then we got engaged, you know, so it was after six, eight months of this and working through a lot of these and it was just becoming more and more obvious that um, this is working and, and not because we were together not because we were apart, but because the attitudes that we brought together were working. They were, they were complimentary. So here you are, you are in a, you engaged and Sabrina, take me for that moment that you have decided that uh, engagement and commitment with this guy, Seth, is the right thing for you, that you went through all your filters, all your levels of all the tools that you have created for yourself. Take me through that moment that you said, that's the guy I can do this with. Well, I actually kind of said that. I remember we were in my apartment, third floor apartment, having dinner up north. And it was, um, we were, we were talking about 
the time that we'd spent together and what we'd learned and talking about what does commitment really mean to us. And that's where we, we, we had talked about commitment a lot and also the nature of cohabitation and what does it mean to, you know, live with, live with, live with someone or build something with someone. I think, um, at that time we were, we were also, um, I think very bought into the idea of the ethical non-monogamy as a barometer of non-possessiveness, as a way to say, we sign up for the principle of non-possessiveness by, you know, seeing other people, by meeting other people, by having other connections and being open to that. And so I think the, the, the principles, though, the, like the real foundational fundamental things beyond all the dating, which tended to be, sometimes it could be superficial, sometimes not, but it was the idea that we could grow, develop together and talk about anything. And, you know, and Seth would be on board to discuss anything I wanted to. Um, that was a, a big part of thinking, you know, this can work for a long time. Like this, this is potentially what I had been looking for, you know, in a relationship was to have that. Type it of sounds almost like, and I, and I loved how you created this system. And I do want you to elaborate on these, on these kind of six areas. But I do think that in this case, the way it sounds to me, feeling it from you, is that it had a holistic feeling to it. It had like a, yes. It probably covered a number of things within that yes, but it, it had this holistic yes, you mm -hmm. know, and we have to listen to our gut. But you did it with, with, your own kind of analysis that you needed to feel that. An know. emotional component. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think when we decided to get engaged, this, this wasn't a, Seth came to me with a little box with a ring and got down on one knee and said, you know, will you marry me? Kind of thing. It sounds expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and also we talked about falling in love though. Yes. Mm -hmm. So right. we'll tie that in. Yes. It was more, we, we loved each other and we thought, you know, what's the difference between, you know, being married and not being married at this stage in our lives. Well, being married means that we're deciding to be there for each other when we're old, that we're, um, that, that we're going to use the tools and the things that we've learned to create a great relationship, you know, that we're, that we're here in this phase of our lives to, to be there for each other and to be in this, in this situation that we've built ourselves. And that's really what, what it meant. So wait, now that you're using pseudonyms, can we get a little sexy? This podcast has sex involved too. <laughs> so how's the sex? <laughs> <laughs> well, what would you say earlier today? That was pretty good. Yeah, well, um, well, last time, a few hours ago, um, <laughs> It was really good. Yeah, it's um, it's it's what like are you a, learning in the sexual encounter is what I guess I'm asking. Like you have so much learning, you guys. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So where is this? Well, we had to learn how to have sex with each other. Yeah, yeah. You know, I it, think any couple and that was does. patient. I mean, yeah, you have to have patience. Do. There's yeah. there's that ideal, and I think it's one of those yeah. expectations is that you know everything. You know, there's good lovers and bad lovers, and but really, what what's what a good lover is 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 what someone learns about you over a period of time you know it's it's far more nuanced than just simply you know someone with stamina or or whatever it, you know there are I've different gone on things dates with stamina yeah it, it's it's okay but <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what you saying i what yeah what was it what are you saying about me then uh, <laughs> so um but the, the thing is it 
so there's a lot that we learn ab- about each other that that we can that, that we that we do but we also it's experiment there's a lot of experimentation too and um you know ropes and various forms of kink and and, and other things that we we try and um working through um things that are sometimes awkward you know especially the first few times you try them but but it but you feel comfortable doing it with with we will we feel it with each other because we 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 understand that um we're we're looking for the same thing we're looking for variety i love that you said i love you said a few times so it's like the way you're looking at your life your, your evolution with patience of getting to know each other so but where how did you how did you come up with that that we both want to try this, and so we'll try different yeah, times. One time is how, not enough. Like, how, how, did how you, does the dialogue start? I mean, yeah. hey, look, this is uh, ropes, and I was always interested in ropes. Are you interested in ropes? Was um, it the conversation like that? It, it is kind of like that. I mean, I mm-hmm. I did a lot of experimentation to understand myself and my sexuality coming out of the failed marriage where, you know, I, I felt like a person that there was something wrong with me because I didn't want to have sex with my husband during the marriage there were reasons for that now i understand that had nothing to do with me being a non-sexual person and i thought i i need to find out who that is you know and so when i was doing a lot of experimentation it was to you know maybe push a boundary here and there where i wouldn't have even dreamed of before and i'm not saying that i was like going to super kinky Although I guess I've had a couple of pretty cute <laughs> things happen, yeah. but but then when I met Seth, I'd already been in that space, and I think Seth was there too. And so when it came to experimenting with different kinks, we were just very open to it. Without I don't know, remember we went we once went to a kink flea market mm-hmm. down in Rhode Island, and it was just like a like a. I don't know, a, a gymnasium that was set up like a trade show floor with all kinds of different booths and things where you could buy, you know, harnesses and leather and various other things. And we actually just went there as a date <laughs> mm-hmm. just to check it out. Yeah. Let's go to the King Festival, uh, <laughs> the trade show. It was a flea market. It was a flea market. It was hilarious. Yeah. And the thing is that, you know, what it, what it exposes you to is that there are also people for whom it's a lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm. for us, it was never a lifestyle. It was more a thing that we, you know, a- experimented with, but it was, you know, I'm not a 24 by seven daddy's girl or, you know, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way for me. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's a very confident, accomplished woman who is not a sub person she's not a, a subservient person and and while uh, you know i think i enjoy playing the dominant in in some situations i don't want control over somebody i mean the whole point of being non-possessive or or valuing non-possessiveness is to allow people to be themselves and i think it's fine for people that want to play that 24 7 but for us it's just a game and i think that all these different games are things that you pull out from the cupboard Yahtzee, Monopoly, whatever. You play around with these things shibari. to have fun. Shibari, yes, <laughs> with the ropes. And the, um, but you play around with it because variety is fun and playing is fun. And it, Play is fun! Yeah, and, and variability. Yeah. Of that. yeah. Yeah. 
If you like this episode, you'll also love episode 8, Eroticize Your Jealousy. Episode 14, Jealousy, Compersion, and Loving Without Boundaries. And episode 32, Is Ethical Non-Monogamy for You? I am so inspired to hear what, at this stage, even though you decide, eventually you're living apart in some ways, what made you decide to get married? It, that's really good question and very complicated because in, in order for us to, to kind of take this, even though we weren't thinking at the time, but it causes us to think about what are these distinctions between ob- obligations and, you know, and, and the, the corollary there of expectations and commitment, you know, and marriage requires commitment. The things that we have especially now that we're in our 50s and, and moving toward the last half of our life, if we're lucky. Um, these things take some grit and commitment to handle. Getting older, um, we are more attractive now than we will ever be again for the rest of our lives. They're, we're better in shape. We have more energy. These things will only decline through the years. There are things to look forward, uh, death of family and uh, perhaps to each other or each other, um, cancer, disease, and so forth. And these things take um, commitment. And and when you're thinking of relationships in, in loose terms, sometimes it's easy to, to overlook um, that part of it, what that does. And and for us, like getting married is, is was kind of, I guess, the way that we decided that we would communicate to each other, to our family, that we were committed to each other, treating commitments as as gifts, things that you give, rather than things that you expect from the other person, uh, obligations or rules that you would expect from someone else to 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 live in order to make you happy, but rather us using our relationship in a generative way to make each other happy, not ignoring yourself and using that commitment to. I think like, generative in general means yeah. that you're generating it because I mean one's own happiness is contagious. And if you're authentic, one one owns one's own authenticity. If you're in relationship with someone that sees himself as authentic, you allow each other to develop and grow, and that's that becomes contagious. You grow, you end up creating more energy around that. And I know that that's a, right. a scientific term. So yes, <laughs> and I I, I want to add. I, I think um, the question of what made us decide to get married. I don't know that there was a make, but there was a real a recognition that happened through time as we spent more time together, that this is a person that I can be myself with, that there is authenticity, that there's honesty. And then there's this absence of all these other kind of crappy things that I would feel in these other relationships, like resentments or obligations or, you know, things of that nature where I was fully aware in my marriage of the, just the extent of the entanglement of resentments that you could not you could not unravel them you couldn't find a root cause you you couldn't because things had gotten so entangled and i al- there was always a image in my head of this sort of ball of yarn that couldn't be un you know undone wow and um and and in my relationship with seth there was just an absence of that and i thought you know um I used to think I never wanted to be married again, but I think if I could rephrase it, it's I never want to be married that way again, but I would like to be married. (laughs) 
and I would like to be married to Seth. And so we, we decided, I actually think I said something to him during that conversation um, when we decided was, you're so great, I would open marry you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would open but, marry you. But, that, but that, that statement actually is, is kind of like, it's very central to so much of our, our philosophy and when, when we got married and why we could separate the fact that we were committing e- to each other potentially for the rest of our lives. We both survived divorce. We know what that's like. We know we could do it again if we needed to. But we're trying to do this, you know, for reals forever. And and we can commit to that without necessarily and you using it. that commitment like a weapon to force the other person to be something we need them to be. <sighs> You know, I mean, just amazing. Obligation is the weaponization of commitment. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. There we go. Repeat that. Wow. Please. Repeat it. That, that's going to be your trailer. That's Repeat it. That's right. <laughs> Obligation is the weaponization of commitment. So the way we feel obliged, just and actually, if you think about it, that even in terms of violence, like it, it, it becomes aggressive mm-hmm. rather than accepting and loving. Like commitment can be loving, and that's exactly what you're saying. It's a gift. Like I'm committed. It's a gift. It's a total gift of my love to be committed yes. to you in ways that I want to be committed, not in ways that you deem me to be committed. Well, then it's not commitment anymore. <laughs> then it's right. not it's been weaponized. No, it's yeah. been weaponized. Obligation. Well, yeah. it's looked to me that sounds to me that you've learned and grown over the past four years that you know each other almost four years, not even, and now you're married for two years. There's, is there anything that you, I mean, you've told us so many things that shows about maturity and growth and inner understanding of yourself. What is it that you have taken out of that? Where have you think that you've grown the most over the past two years, three years, four years that you've been together to get you to where you are today? And my second part of that question is, where do you see your relationship uh, three years from now, five years from now, and say ten years from now? Wow. So I, maybe to to address the second question first, and then go back to the growth thing. But you know, w- the practical part, the logistics of living apart. Um, we have a plan right now. I'm living in in the deep south, and she's living up in New England, and and um, there are different. Uh, milestones will cross with retirements from different jobs, the ability to go mobile, and those will change our living situation. What we'll do, they're, they're, we don't know what we'll do at those points, but they become decision points. We will, uh, you know, continue to prioritize our relationship. We'll continue to be, you know, open in the sense that um, whatever each of us wants to do, we do and continue to share it with each other. Uh, but there, there is no really, there's no real plan. I think that's kind of the, the magic of this is that it's a, um, that we're just the logist, logistics part. Uh, certainly that's planned, but what our relationship is going to be like is going to be, I think, constructed from being in flow. Right. I think, I think it's almost antithetical to have those expectations of what it needs to be. And if we did have those expectations, then we would be, you know, weaving into our relationship those things that we were trying to avoid to begin with. But I have you have to admit that you have some kind of a vision of where you're going to be and where this is going to grow to, right? I mean, we have a hypothesis. A hypothesis, sure. okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, when you say what does it mean to grow old together, well, part of the vision is that we that we that we grow. There's the grow part. So we learn new things together. Maybe we learn um, what it's like to be in, you know, a relationship with other people as well. Or, you know, maybe Seth finds somebody that he, you know, is dating or same thing for me. That wouldn't be too different from how our dynamic is now. Um, but, um, but beyond that, I kind of agree with Seth in the sense that I can't, I can't predict what the growing old part is going to be like other than I know, you know, we're both going to age, we're both going to, mm. you know, walk differently, um, think differently, maybe um, lose our driver's licenses, who knows. <laughs> and we'll have to cross those bridges when we get to it. But that we're just open to exploring what, what I wouldn't, maybe it's easier to say what I don't want it to turn into. And that would be, you know, I'll to lose that. interest or curiosity mm-hmm. in each other and in our, in our relationship. And not yeah. to be possessive. Right. Right. You know, in a way, as a, divor- a couple that divorced 20 years into their first marriage and then, and then coming together, we have this, you know, get out of jail free where we don't have a history of resentment. We learned a lot from our previous attempts and, and now we've, we've had this flexibility, the ability to, to create a relationship based on all that learning. And, and there's something to be envied. And I think we've talked about this earlier today from, from people. I, I know you, you guys have been married for 31 years and, and that's a history that we won't have. We don't have. And certainly that history includes resentments. It's inevitable. The history includes a, a lot of things that you have to work through. And, and I think the couples that you envy, the ones that, you know, hit their 50th or 60th, you know, marriage anniversary, They've had those tough times and they've worked through them. And, and that resolution becomes part of their relationship. Sabrina and I have a, a very different, you know, approach, line of approach on that in the sense that we have those resentments in our previous relationship. We had those learning experiences in our previous relationships. We had to do the thinking and the work on our own. And then we brought that into the relationship as we were beginning so so much more consciousness of like we were talking about even when we were sitting outside i mean the, the, you know and you don't have to do it with any kind of like this is our weekly meeting mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean no. which is it's like as things come up the board of directors said, yeah one of the things that you had you said is that seth is always willing to talk to me about anything i want to talk about mm-hmm. and i'm assuming that it's reverse as well mm-hmm. so well, even if it's uncomfortable or if it's awkward the fact that you're using your you're using your authentic being and voicing it and having someone who witnesses it and evolving is well, all that it Seth takes. Seth said before, that, and that's a, that is somewhat of a, of a of a commitment too. Seth said before that the the relationship and the development of it is one of the most important things of his life, uh, if not the most important thing, right, Seth? Right, uh, I think. You know, when I was younger, I had all these different goals and certainly raising kids and all that is, is kind of the thing that, that we all put up there. But at the same time, we have this separate scale where, oh, we want to go to school or we want a career to do these things. And I think that that is like an artifact of the past marriage. Today, in my current relationship, there's only one scale and it's about being, you know, the best 
and happiest, most content and fulfilled person I can be, which is a combination of factors where work certainly plays a part, contributions, productivity, aging well, all these things play a part. And I've realized in, in why these things exist on the same scale now is that your relationship in, in my relationship with Sabrina is there to help you achieve those things. It's, it's a generative process. Our relationship is generative. The way that we discuss things and we talk about things, the way that we interact, it's all, it's all contributing to the one thing that you have, which is your life. And, and you know, you don't have these different tracks you're running. You have one track and your relationship is there. And, and if it's really helping you and in, in, in doing these things with you, then the quality of our right. lives is really yeah. determined by the quality of our relationships. Right. So eventually, and that's Nestor Perel quote, not mine, but right. it is the quality of our relationships. Because when you're not happy in where you find love in your heart, your brain is just not going to be fulfilled. There's no cohesion. Mm-hmm. Right. There's just no mind-body cohesion. And when you don't have that, you're not going to have happiness. That's generative. Those mm-hmm. words you're using are all about come from a place of happiness, of of love, because love is everything. Love is that relationship. And when you have it with someone that's your primary people, and I don't even have to say one person, but you guys are working on that at this point. I'm I'm grateful that, that Amir is my primary person in so many of those ways, but I have so many, almost I would call them really primary relationships because they're so significant. So there are other loves that are just friendships really deep daily friendships or uh, or uh, another man that I love deeply and other other women that I love deeply and if I didn't have love I wouldn't have the quality of life I have so for me it's an enormous thing when anybody gets to the point that wow we invest in our relationship that's primary yep. yeah and and I think the contrast between my previous relationship and my current marriage is that so much of who I felt I was, was kind of being sacrificed on the altar of that relationship that I was giving up a lot of myself because that's what you're supposed to do as the husband or the father. Whereas I didn't understand there was a different way to do it, but but today or now it seems that in my relationship, in fact, strengthens what I bring to the table on, on, on these other factors. There's no, I'm not giving to my relationship taking away from other aspects of my life to give to my relationship. Instead, my relationship is making me more of myself, more... Uh, Allowing you to be more yourself. Yeah. And, and creating more of that energy between. Like, it's so much like you were saying, like, how much we put into the relationship rather than just me or her as separates. But that doesn't mean that it's, possess- that it's like, consuming. Right. It's just, where is that flow? So, for me, that's the point of flow, like that. You're allowing that energy to flow each other and i i think it's um uh i thought of many things as you were talking Mm -hmm. uh and one of them was about how we've we've talked about this where seth is um pretty much the same person he was back then as he is now you know uh, you talk about that and and um and i think of myself as actually fairly transformed i feel like the person that i used to be especially in my first marriage was um, a lot more insecure, a lot more worried, a lot more prone to criticize, a lot less self-aware, all these different types of things. 
which when I describe those behaviors, Seth is like, I just can't picture you like that. That just is weird. That just doesn't make sense to me because he doesn't see that person who's today. And I think that's by way of saying uh, we didn't get here like at the snap of a finger. But, but did he see that four years ago? Were you yeah. exposing them? Were you allowing yourself to show that? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Sort I of mean, dark side of yourself. I know by that time, by the time that we met, I had those things. Um, I, I'd stepped away from that part of who I was. I'd figured out a way to step away from those behaviors. Well, you wanted to tell us about your relationship with your kids? Yeah, actually, we really want to make sure. Yeah, well, kids I mean, Seth, we want to hear about your relationship with your kids. I mean, how, how do they fit in your overall, you know, plans to be an incredible relationship with Sabrina in how is it to hinder? Is it uh, something that you happy about, proud of? Tell us about that. And we want to hear the same thing for Sabrina. Out of the divorce, and, and this is probably true for a lot of men that don't don't live with their kids anymore um, full time or even half time, is that there are a lot of regrets around that and uh, reflections on how you would wish things would be better or different. And, um, you know, and, and the kids live with their, with their mother and I see them, uh, before I moved south, I would see them every other weekend, uh, and, and spend that time with them And and really, you know, most of the important stuff was happening during the week and in the time with her, with her mother. So, uh, the most I could do and, and is, is, is plant seeds, you know, and, and help them. Um, maybe at some point integrate their experiences in, into um, the lessons that in the ways that I would look at these things, you know, and after moving south, you know, it only it made things harder. It's enhanced the problem. Yeah, it, it does. And, and I think that one and Sabrina and I um, talk a lot about this is she, she living up in New England near near the kids, uh, near where my kids are. Me, every time I can, I can getting up here and being able to spend uh, time with them um, and, uh, and talking them through their problems in a way that is very different from, I think, what they get from the adults in their life on a normal basis to give them another perspective that perhaps, you know, they can, they will, uh, they will use that when they at some point mature to the point where they can, where they can do something about it. But there's not a, you know, there's, a, there is a lot of hard feelings about that. You know, Sabrina and I talk a lot about and she helps me through with. And I, I wouldn't say envy is the right word, but, you know, the, the ability to have a close relationship with your kids where have lived with you for a long period of time, have a close connection and a rapport with you and will uh, come to you with their problems and be able to, to talk and and uh, and work with you on these things, as opposed to um, maybe some of the negative influences on their life, I I, I do envy that and um, the leftover issues from the divorce and the problems associated with that. Um, I don't regret any of it. You know, in terms of the marriage, it, it, as hard as it was, it all worked out for the better. The only leftover, the residual from that, is is. Um, the relationship with my own kids and and being a, a father for them with them 
you know, became nearly impossible, I think, after after the separation and divorce. Do you see the relationship getting better as they get older? I, I see that already happening. You know, my oldest is uh, almost 20. My youngest is uh, getting close to driving age. The conversations we have are a lot more adult. And I'm able to connect to them in ways that are more instrumental and less emotional. And, and I don't mean that in a negative sense, but sure. um, it's that, you know, much of the problems they have to negotiate as kids getting out into the world, you know, are, are intellectual problems or, or, or problems right. that, that require their decisions. But, but, to, you, to, but, but you right. do feel that you have gained respect to the point where they find you a source of solutions rather than uh, the dad that is separated from mom. Yeah, I think they always had that, and, and but the the question, the thing that was missing, because I separated after being gone for a year. I was in Afghanistan, and on the end of that relation, that deployment, my kids hadn't seen me much for a year, and then I came back and relatively quickly moved out of the house. And even before that, I was away at grad school, and so there was a lot of uh, disconnect between myself and the kids. So it was really the rapport. And I think you need that connection in order to, to give the advice, you know, not be the stranger, just saying things out of the blue, but to give advice. You have to be to, involved. To be involved to, to, so that they know that you care. You may care greatly, but it isn't real to them unless they fully understand it. And you saying it and hugging them and so forth right. may communicate it, but it may not still be real. It takes time to do that and rapport. And, and that is what I, I didn't have uh, much of and had to, um, t- you know, in the years after coming back from overseas to, oh. to put together. So, and Sabrina, what's your relationship with your kids? How many do you have? I have two kids, and my daughter is 21, and my son is uh, 19, uh, and they are both, um, they are marvelous, <laughs> and and so interesting. They're just, each of them, such interesting people. Um, they did live with me after the divorce, and I did pretty much, you know, do everything uh, because my ex moved uh, fairly shortly after that to New York to go do his thing in New York, which he's very successful. And, and actually an, a, an important aspect of this, you know, conversation about my kids is also that I get along very well with my ex and we are really amicable. We hang out. Uh, he's remarried. He has another kid and a little three-year-old. And so now my kids have a younger sibling, which, mm. you know, it's in, it's in everyone's interest for everyone to be all okay with it all. You know, it's, they get to have a younger sibling. We get to hang out. Literally, I had a, um, they came over a couple of weekends ago and uh, his wife cut my hair mm-hmm. <laughs> outside yeah. on the patio. It was great. His, his wife that had the affair with yeah. her husband when they were married. Just a complicated thing. Yeah, just a, this is the, this is the person. The ease and acceptance that Sabrina operates from is actually yeah. well. That's that where shows. I got to. Right, exactly. I, I wasn't. I wasn't yeah. such a happy camper at first. Right. Um, but I think I got to it after again doing a lot of work, and so and a lot of this was motivated by the kids. I wanted to model something for them, 
you know, to say, you know, I have to be the person that I really want to be, you know, both for myself and then they benefit from that. You know, it's not like I only did it for the kids, but I did it because I knew it would be if I can be myself and be that person who is just okay with, with things because there's a, there's a broader purpose than just, am I mad about this divorce or am I mad that he did this thing or that? Thinking about who I wanted to be was to give them something to model or to model something for them to say, as they go into their relationships, can they draw on different types of examples that are really functional? So they can see me with Seth. They can see me with their father who's married to somebody else and we're all okay with it. And they can see that that can work. So yeah. the, la- the, la- the the way that we're going to wind down together, which it could be very difficult for us to wind down because we could talk to you guys for hours more. Mm-hmm. And there will probably other th- many other things that, that are left unsaid that we will have to do another interview with you. But for now, are there any other things that you feel like you really want to convey that about this stage of life or for people that are maybe have been divorced and are looking at their their nest and looking at their kids and configuration, like anything you want to make sure you leave people with? Well, I have, um, when we were corresponding early on uh, by email and I was thinking about breaking down this idea of expectations and, you know, what are some general principles that that we can kind of bring into our relationship and and that people can sort of think about well what does a functional relationship really look like from a principal standpoint and seth wrote me back an email that had these five beautifully written bullets that i had to that i would love to just convey you have them oh wonderful the bullets you have i don't remember this oh you'll you'll remember you'll remember so the first one is give only what you're comfortable giving you want to say anything about that? Right. I, I think that there's an, a tendency to um, think that you need to give more than that, that you have to completely empty yourself into a relationship because that's your role. Um, and or often the corollary to that is you give so much that you expect the other person to give back. And then you start to hold other people obligations and expectations again you know accountable to the things that you gave them it's not a gift anymore it's it's a transaction and i think if you give what you're comfortable in giving uh it remains that that gift yeah so i can go through the rest of these but if you think it's too long no 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 we should we should go through please please go to number two (laughs) bullet number two the next one is always be grateful for what the other person gives. Right. So um, you can get used to someone, for instance, cooking you dinner every night and um, you can treat it as, as well, you get, you start to expect it. You get home from work, the, din- the dinner is ready, you sit down, you eat it and you forget to be grateful about it. And so um, you stop thinking people for it you stop acknowledging it and then you start to expect it and then when the person goes out to do something for themselves instead of make you dinner you resent the fact that they didn't do it and um and when in fact it was it was something they were doing for you to begin with right so there's like always that foundation 
Um, the next one that, that he wrote, which I thought was amazing, was recognize the process is voluntary for both parties. Mm-hmm. It's a choice. Yeah. All, all, vol- all, right. all relationships are voluntary all the time. And too often we, we stand up in front of an altar, we exchange rings and give vows and all that and say, well, now I could take the other person for adva- for, uh, for granted. And they do it to each other to the, to the point where there's nothing left of either one of them. And um, I think if you realize that anyone can leave a relationship whenever they want, uh, you realize that, um, that it's, that it one, it's valuable if, you know, or it, it can be temporary and, and two, you need to show up yourself. Um, otherwise, otherwise you'll lose it. And, and I think the important part of this also is that you can't make someone be in a relationship with you. And if you use coercive techniques or abuse or whatever to, to try to make that happen, manipulation, you're, you're, you're create, you're, you're living a lie. And, and the other person will, will be able to, um, as soon as they catch on to the game, they can walk. So the next one, number four, number four, yes. Help each other find their optimal position by being honest and supportive. Hmm. I have no idea what I meant there. Okay. What what position do you mean? So I think, um, it goes back to that calling, you know, the relationship instead of being a zero sum game where, um, the view is you need to take from the other person as much as they can give and use it for the relationship, use it for kids or whatever, whatever it is. Or that scarcity. You, like scarcity, from scarcity scar- okay, yeah, right? that mindset, uh, scarcity mindset. Yeah. And then, or viewing the relationship as uh, generative, uh, where because of the time I spend with Sabrina, I am a better person and more present in my life than I would have been had I not. And and using our relationships in that way, and 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 also being that partner for the other person in that way, trying to make them being a witness better. to each other's relation growth. Right, just being a witness in a way that is so much more of a I mean, a, a, a a mirror that's good for each other because you want to see yourself in your best, but you also want to see each other in your best. Well, yeah, and you want to support that and. Mm-hmm you know, see them be the best. And through the hard, and through the hardship too. Mm-hmm. So a witness is also that I can see you go through the hardship too. Right? Mm-hmm. Each, each and every one of those points, by the way, can be an episode on the open nesters by totally. itself. Mm-hmm. I was thinking the totally. Same thing. mm-hmm. uh, and, um, That's you know, right. we are at number five now. <laughs> if incompatibilities prevent the sides from equilibrium, respectfully walk away. Mm-hmm. You have to read that one again. If incompatibilities prevent both sides from reaching equilibrium or having equilibrium, respectfully walk away. Well, equilibrium is something we all seek, right? Yeah. Do we ever have it all the time, though? No, I think I think that maybe there's, there are better words to, to use instead of equilibrium. But I think in this case, I was uh, trying to get at that you know, with that, with what you give into a relationship, what you get out of it, and you know, what you're able to do with that. Well, I latched on to the word equilibrium, and here's the thing: is I this latched last, on to the walk away part. <laughs> yeah, this the last one. You know, not to end on it. It's not really a downer, actually. It might seem like it's a little bit of mm-hmm. a downer of a last principle, but in fact, I think it's quite positive in the sense that 
you know, you don't want to, you want to be in the right relationship that's, that's right, but also that's authentic. And that equilibrium is almost the same sort of a proxy for authenticity in that the relationship is going to be whatever it's going to be. Now, if, if it's not going to work and you're incompatible, then it doesn't have to be a lot of drama. You can just sort of respectfully say, Hey, this isn't, this isn't really going to work. It's all good. You, you'd be you. And, and that's all yeah. fine. There's, and a, there's a victory in that. Yeah. yeah there's a victory in, in, in realizing it's not going to work yep. You're because right. of who I'm, you are. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I, I hear so much what you guys are saying. And I also have another point of view because I would say when we're in a long-term real marriage like we are, maintaining the sense of am I always doing making you your best and are you always making me my best for 31 years is virtually impossible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's also riding the waves. Right. We mm-hmm. ride the waves together because we know that over, eventually they're kind of riding, been riding up. Mm-hmm. But we don't expect to maintain equilibrium because that would be a false expectation for us. Sabrina and Seth, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for coming. Thank you for doing our first live interview together. We're in the studio. We have not done this before, and we are happy for you to be the first one. So with that, we appreciate you being on the Open Esters, and I think that we're going to touch a lot of people with everything that you said and your experience. Absolutely. Before we summarize this episode, we just wanted to give you a preview of our next week's episode with a unique man who's lived his life, particularly since he's become an open nester, off the grid in his own way, and it seems like his oldest child is certainly following suit. And for me, you know, here I am, I'm sending sending my oldest daughter solo right she's she's not hiking with a group she doesn't have a buddy she doesn't have a partner she is heading off her and her backpack and having never spent a day in her life backpacking before and she's a, she's got a hundred miles of wilderness ahead of her so we wanted to discuss this idea of commitment versus obligation because I think it's a it's a very complex thought it is. It is a complex thought. And at first, when I heard Seth talk about that commitment is a gift, I kind of said, oh, wow, that's a nice concept. But, you know, I'm committed to my family and to my work. And sometimes I'm obligated to make that trip to work in the snow or in any time that I really don't feel like it because I'm committed. So commitment equal obligation sometimes. I feel like sometimes it does. It's just, it's. I think the the way I like to almost favorite phrase it for myself is that I'd like to not have as much expectation be so weighted on someone else having to rise to my expectations that I need to be more whole in myself. So sometimes I have to feel obliged to the things that I've committed to. So so I think it's it's a tricky it's a tricky com- you know. Well, well they have a, a whole slew of categories of expectation. They got on a date to determine the expectation in uh, the relationship that they both can be who they are. And they had to be become bilocational, as she says. Uh, but they're approaching it with curiosity rather than despair. And I like that. I like the fact that uh, they can do that in an open mind and discuss their relationship to the science of it. 
they really analyze their relationship to the depth of it. And I personally, I don't need to go into the micro elements of every relationship that I have. Sometimes they need to, to let be and, you know, you don't have to have ec- everything x-rayed and uh, go through MRI. Right. I feel like the, the, what I like in the way I operate and everyone's different is is to be in relationship flow really requires a lot of attention to my to my heart, my body, my love. And that comes from accepting what is as well sometimes. So sometimes we can strain too much to create all the things we want and we'll never have all the things we want. And I don't think they were saying that they get all the things they want. But we go at it from different places. We're all different human beings. Correct. I mean, they're both uh, on their second marriage, and they know and they learn from their experience because Sabrina says she never want to be married the way she was again. And she has learned from that. Um, so, you know, when, when he says, uh, you are great, I would open marry you. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> I, I really like that. Uh, I think she said that. He said that she said that about him. That's You're right. so that's great. Right. But, you know, the idea is I, actually the idea of learning. And so the fact that they've given themselves these gifts of time to learn and then to know what they're coming into with so much clarity, which is why that they're so analytical about it. And even about the idea that a good lover is someone who learns about you over a period of time. So almost coming in without the expectation that the first time or that... Even the hundredth time is going to be something that we should expect in a certain way. Like having the openness of saying, it's almost not just lowering, it is lowering our expectations because it's saying, I'm going to learn with this process to be present with what is and the growth we can create together. Yeah. I mean, there's certain uh, spontaneity that is lost in the analyzation uh, that I think that, uh, but again, Everybody has a different. Everyone has a different way. Every different way, and you know, I don't happen to agree that, for example, possessiveness uh, is, you know, equal domination. This is not really the case. And confident women, I have very confident women that I know that are very submissive. So you know, we defer in opinions with them, but nevertheless, the interview has been tremendous inspiration, so enlightening, and. Listen. We'd love to hear your opinion about it, quite honestly, because I think there's so much value here for discussion. And that's the idea of real dialogue in life is that we are all so different and we come from different perspectives and programming and how to shed our beliefs by saying, well, what can I learn from that? So I'd love to hear what you've learned from this. If you'll go to our closed Facebook page and and tell us a little bit about what you think. We will be posting the interview there, and we'd love to hear what you have to say there. Right, and you can stay, say a comment or let us know what you think. Also on our Open Nester website, that's theopennesters.com, double N in the middle, S at the end, theopennesters.com. Let us know what you think about this episode. We're getting a lot of comments from a lot of people, a lot of audience, and we want to thank all our audience at this particular moment that are listening to this podcast and made it so popular that we can go into a second season uh, with a really gusto. And I'm fine. Ask you to find us on social media. And to please, if you like this episode or any other episode, promote it to your friends, tell them about us, and subscribe to our podcast on all the podcast platforms. Absolutely. Till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we will see you on the next episode. Ciao. 
have been listening to the Open Nesters podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio engineering by Lucid Sound. Web design and blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.